0: The name of Jesus is stronger than cancer. The name of Jesus is stronger than poverty. The name of Jesus is stronger than depression. The name of Jesus is the name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Praise God, praise God. You're very, very welcome to the 11 o'clock service as has already been in, uh, welcomed by other presenters this morning. But uh, from me, a very happy Mother's Day. Now, if you have a, a son or a daughter in the children's ministry, you will be given a very special Kensington Temple Mother's Day gift. Absolutely perfect. A mirror. Now. Guys, this is also for you. You say, why? Because if you were ever lost at sea and your wife in the handbag has this, you can take it out and signal with it. <laughs> it could even save your life. So guys, we're not forgotten today. But well, congratulations to all you mothers. There isn't anything on God's earth quite like the love of a mother and we really appreciate you. God bless you. It's wonderful. Now, uh, the uh, Denominational Magazine Direction, March issue, uh, it's available and uh, it's priced one pound for each of you. We know we heavily subsidize it for you, but I have a vested interest in reminding you to get it this month because I have an article in it checking the spiritual climate. Government must face the facts, and this is a very... Hard-hitting, but uh, nevertheless encouraging article, so make sure you get the magazine, if only for that. And uh, as already been said, we have our celebrations, our Easter celebrations, which begin on Tuesday in King's Cross. There's a leaflet here for you, uh, information on the screen in Revival Times, on the website, and outside the front of the church as well. So you can't miss it. Tuesday we begin in uh, King's Cross. You see, we're not content just to be praising God within the security and uh, safety of this location. We want to be out into the highways and the byways, the big auditoriums in London and declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and taking the blessing that God has given us in Kensington Temple and taking grace to the city. And uh, this last week I've been preparing, there'll be three messages, each of them preached, one on Tuesday night at King's Cross, the next Tuesday will be in Stratford, and the final Tuesday at Westminster uh, uh, Chapel, and uh, you just go wherever is closest to you, go to them all, you won't be barred from going to more than one, but the idea is is to bring Kensington Temple a little closer to you, so that we can join together with members from the cell groups and satellite churches as well as from the different congregations there is a nine o'clock service did you know that before the eleven o'clock there is life and the nine o'clock service and next week we'll see how many join the eleven o'clock service because the clocks go forward uh, so we, we shall see you might meet some nine o'clock people next week Well, that's of course if you remember to put your clocks forward otherwise you'll end up at the two thirty service but, uh, so uh, remember next week for all of that now um... i've been um, continuing to work and prepare the uh, next counseling course, which will begin at the end of May, uh, level three counseling, and I just want to remind you that we have a resource that 's attached to that god 's promises for your every need. Um, this is an excellent little booklet uh, book uh, has scripture quotations for every particular topic that you might come across it 's helpful for you as a regular member of the church to learn the scripture i 'm even using this now to uh, learn more and more scriptures and uh, so I ordered copies. Of especially for those on last counseling course Uh, but you are very uh, welcome to have your copy it's 9.99 beautiful little booklet and uh, it's, it's there please pick it up. Also to let you know very very soon and uh, just over a week's time Bruce's book on uh, No More Law which is a very popular and strong exposition of the book of Galatians is hitting the presses, will be hitting, uh, be delivered very very soon and so look out for that and uh, I want you all to get your copy, get your copy of that book. I've read it in some of its early stages and there's a grace of God on every single page, it's absolutely magnificent so please Be ready for that, because very, very soon it will be here. So now we'd like to welcome those who are watching us on the web and apologize for a few of the problems we had on sight and sound, but we are now before your eyes and you can hear us, and so we welcome you who are watching on the web and also across the road in the coronet. God bless you as we share together at this point in the service. There are also people overflowing downstairs when you're not beneath our feet. You are, you are holding us up down there in the, in, the, in the basement and behind me in the overflow area. So let's put our hands together and welcome all those who are watching and listening today. Now in the build-up to Easter, I'm teaching you on a series entitled, Life Savers. And uh, last week I spoke about the first life-saving truth. You must be born again. And uh, today I'm going to be speaking about Jesus, the Son of God. Now these are life-saving truths. They are foundational to our faith. And don't think for one moment that because we as believers, we know uh, we have confessed Jesus Christ as the Son of God, sometimes many, many years ago, and this is very familiar language to us, uh, because there is increasing pressure on believers today to reject some of these foundational truths. And it's not just a question of refreshing your mind and memory, but it is a way of encountering Christ in a new and fresh way because we need to meet Him and know Him as the Son of God every single day of our lives. That's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 says, I keep asking, I ask the Father, for this reason I bow my knees, I ask the Father, who the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation for the knowledge of him. And he was speaking about believers. He was praying that believers should get to know Christ more and more and understand who he is. And this teaching that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is, is an amazing teaching. It will stretch your mind, it will stretch your understanding and will cause you to, to dig deeper into the word of God and understand this amazing revelation of what it actually means. It's also something that is rejected by other people and say, no, we can't talk about Jesus being the Son of God. It is, it is ridiculous, obnoxious, even blasphemous to say that God has a Son. Others say, well, you know, you are compromising the unity of God. You Christians believe that there is only one God, but then you talk about Jesus also being God. So you're contradicting yourselves. And so we need to know... Jesus personally, but also know how to explain this and present this truth to other people. But more importantly this morning, I want you to know that this truth is a real life-saving truth. You cannot know God the Father unless you know God the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So we're going to look at that this morning. I want you to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. I'm going to read the passage. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 13 to 23, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not Prevail against it, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you Lord, this shall not happen to you. And he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Interesting, Peter can get it so right one minute and so wrong the next. There's hope for all of us, isn't there, this morning? So, Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. I want you to picture this scene. Jesus has been ministering uh, quite extensively. And uh, he gathers his disciples together at a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he asks them a question. Who do men say that I am and they got many answers and we have read them here some say you are John the Baptist some say you are Elijah some say others say Jeremiah or generally they say you are one of the prophets but then Jesus directed the question personally to them who do you say that I am this is about Christian truth. And this is something which is not well understood in our society today. Because to talk about truth, Christian truth, or indeed any religious truth, is to speak the language of nonsense. Everybody says, well, of course, we know you're entitled to have your own opinions. You can say, well, you believe in Jesus. Others believe in something else. It's all very well for you. It's all very well for them. But we're not really talking about truths. We're talking about beliefs. We're talking about personal interpretations, personal viewpoints. And they ask only two things of us. Number one, that we be sincere. Hold what you have sincerely and then we will acknowledge that maybe, you know, you're okay. Whatever you believe, believe what you want, but hold it sincerely. The second thing they ask of us is, don't expect us to believe it. It's just your personal point of view. You see, it's rather like shoppers. You shop in Tesco's, you shop in Sainsbury's, more and more shopping in Liddell as a result of the economic crisis, but at the end of the day, it's your personal choice and based on your personal preference. Or you might say, well, I am a supporter of Manchester United. And others say, no, no. I'm a supporter of Chelsea. Well, you know, it's your personal choice based on your personal preference. It's just down to you. It, it, there is no objective reason why one team is to, supposed to be supported as the only true team. There are many teams and, and some do better than others and, uh, and of course you, you don't swap your team just because it's doing uh, well, badly in, 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 in the league. You, 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 you stick with it, but it's all down to your personal choice. And so they say sincerity is what's most important. I want to tell you a story, a true story, tragic story that shows that in matters of life and death, opinion is not enough. Not even sincere opinion. There was a nurse who was working in hospital. She was working in the neonatology ward looking after babies, new babies and There were some premature babies there and they had problems with their eyes and needed to have eye drops. And this nurse was handed eye drops to put into the baby's eyes. She sincerely believed it was the right medicine and it was. The only problem was the concentration of the medicine was an adult dose. She was sincere. She believed that she was going to help and she was actually caring for this child. But as she put those eye drops into that baby, that baby became blind for life. She was sincere, but sincerely wrong. And so we can't play games with this business of truth. A lot of people say, you don't have to ask about whether it's true or not. If it feels right, if it seems right to you, then it's okay. But the Bible says in, Roman, in Proverbs 14 verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So today, this is, this is how our society is succeeding in marginalizing the Christian church. Did you know this? I'm going to expose it today. It's simply this. They say, all right, look, whatever we can see and touch, that's fact because it can be demonstrated. You can say, well, look, you know, the Earth is round or sort of round and you can demonstrate that. They never always believed that, but when scientific advancement came, they were able to show and demonstrate that and everybody can look at the evidence for themselves. That's the realm of fact. We might want to use logic, 2 plus 2, when I was at school, equaled 4, and uh, so it is today. And nothing has changed, and you're not considered to be narrow. You're not considered to be... Who hasn't got one of these yet? Have you got one? There you are. That's in case I don't drop it again. And don't forget, keep it in your handbag, if you get lost at sea. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4, nobody says, Oh, you're so bigoted, you're so narrow." How dare you say 2 plus 2 equals 4. Why can't? I think it means 5 and that's my point of view. You say don't be ridiculous Because you can demonstrate it by logic And so here's the deal what they've said is that we will keep in the public arena Those things which are facts things that we can demonstrate and, and things which we can prove and, and the rest is uh, well, it's, it's a matter of personal opinion uh, and so religion is, is in the other area. It's about, it's not a realm of fact, it's, it's what you believe. And some people believe one thing, some people believe another thing. You don't really know, you can't really prove it. So you have your faith, but you keep it to yourself. It's a matter of private, personal belief. Nobody can introduce it into the public arena. And we the believers, for too long have said, yes, we understand that. No more. No more. I pray that beginning with this message, you will understand that Christian truth is not something that is to the margins of our society based on personal beliefs. What we put our faith in is true and it is fact. And because it is fact... It not only can save our life, but it can save other people's lives. In fact, it is the only fact or set of facts that can save our society and save our nation. Very strong claims. I better get on with it. Alright. So, let me uh, just sort of emphasize this a, a little bit this morning, telling you the story about About uh, an atheist whose daughter, primary school daughter, uh, came home from school and said, my friend goes to Sunday school, I'd like to go to Sunday school. And the atheist said, no, no, you're not going to Sunday school. Why not, daddy? Well, you see, that's about religion. And religions are all invented by people. It's not true. They're invented by people just to make them feel better. They're invented by people so they can just avoid all the difficult things of life. The girl seemed to accept this. She said, oh, I see. And she never mentioned it again. But a few days later, he had a telephone call from the head teacher of school. And he asked him, what was the religion that the family believed in? And he said, why do you want to know about my religion? He said, well, your daughter said she couldn't do her maths homework because it was against her religion. (laughs) Well, we don't just make it up for our convenience. See, religious truth, if we can examine it, discover the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just some religious claim it's not just some idea it's not something that we have invented to make ourselves feel better or to avoid some of the difficult things of life no it's about truth Jesus Christ is the truth and you know when the when the gospel was being presented in the first century they had exactly the same issues. Some people say, we're living in the 21st century and we d- we require hard evidence. We, we are thinking people. We're living in the post-scientific era. And we're living in the technological age. And, and we require a little bit more than somebody saying, Jesus loves you. We, we we need something more important than that. Of course, for those people in the 1st century, they could just make it up as they went along. They, they didn't have all these exacting rules. I tell you, friends, people have not changed. People are not stupid. They're not stupid in the 21st century. They weren't stupid in the 1st century. And I want to show you from Acts chapter 26 how important it is to know that it is the facts of the gospel that bring, bring us to faith. It's not our faith that invents the facts. It's the facts first and faith second. The Apostle Paul, you will recall, was preaching the gospel and on one occasion he went in Jerusalem and he was arrested because they said you are causing trouble. And eventually he was escorted out of Jerusalem by soldiers and held uh, in, under a house arrest in nearby Caesarea. And he was there for two years and during that two years he had various interviews with rulers and authorities who were examining him. And in Acts chapter 26 we read about him being brought before Festus who was the local governor and there was also a state visit from Agrippa, Herod Agrippa and his sister Bernice. And there was some question mark about their relationship so it was a very difficult situation. So Paul does what he knows best. He he makes his defense by saying, I am doing nothing more than fulfilling the faith of our fathers. Because I'm a Jew and I believe in the God of the Jews and I follow the Jewish practices. And that has led me to faith in Jesus Christ. We must remember that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one of the Jewish scriptures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, there's nothing more complete than a completed Jew. Somebody that believes their own scriptures and sees Christ and puts their trust in the Christ who lived and died for the sins of the world according to Isaiah 53. And the one who is raised again from the dead, but also he is the Savior for all the world. And as uh, Paul was preaching about this, he he ends up with talking about how, how Jesus died on the cross and how he was raised again from the dead. And Festus stopped him and said, Paul, you're mad. So much learning has driven you crazy. And this is what Paul says, Acts 26, 25. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason truth and reason he didn't say I'm not mad this is just my personal viewpoint this is something that we believe no no he said this we believe it because it is truthful and reasonable your faith in God is based in truth and reason praise God we don't have to back out of the public square and say of course we can't we can't uh, expect other people to believe what we believe this is a life-saving truth god has revealed his gospel from heaven god has sent his son into this real world and he lived and died in this real world publicly publicly, and was raised again from the dead publicly. This was not a private, individual thing on the margins of ancient society, and it should not be something that is pushed to the margins of our society. Either Jesus Christ is Lord, or it's nothing at all. Uh, If He is Lord, then He is Lord of all. We need to get some robust confidence back in our faith and stop them pushing us into the corners of our society. Now in verse 26, he goes on and he addresses the king, King Agrippa, and he says, For the king before whom I also speak freely, he knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. Why? Look at this closely. Since this thing was not done in a corner. Everything Jesus did, he did publicly. He preached publicly. He produced his miracles publicly. He died publicly. And was raised again and presented himself for public scrutiny. It was done publicly, not in a corner. And we will not bow the knee to political pressure. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's no good waving banners and shouting on street corners and saying, Why is the government introducing godless legislation? It's too late to protest. In a way, well, always protest. But we need to do something more than that. We need to get at the root of the problem and understand we will not swallow the secular mindset of today and bow the knee and say, yes, it's okay. We'll keep our religion private. We're proud to know Jesus. And we will take him to work. We will take him to the universities. We'll take him to the schools. We'll take him to the cinema and the theater. And we will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord over the whole of life. Amen and Amen And you know, the truth is, is that the secular worldview cannot be proven All it is, is a philosophy And they're the ones who are forcing an unprovable truth upon us Or what they consider to be truth People of God, it's time to wake up It's time to shake yourself to up And say, God, I am not going to back down Why should we be the only religion that is not allowed to be who we are at work? We have to keep our private beliefs outside of work rather than speak into the situation and say, no, 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 there's another way of looking at it. Life begins at conception. Marriage is between a man and a woman. We can say that. And and we can say it because, not just because it's a religious belief, but because it is as the very nature of things. And the evidence, take a look at this, the evidence has always been, and there is so much evidence that the best way to bring up children saying this on Mother's Day, The best way to bring up children is within a marriage of commitment for life. The evidence shows that. It's not just a Bible believing truth. It is an evident truth which people only, those who are biased and have an agenda which they cannot prove and enforce upon us. People of God, it all rests down on something which is rock solid. That's why Jesus said, hey, Peter, you're blessed. God, the Father has revealed this to you, and on this, I will build my church, not on you, Peter. Then we get this wrong when we think Peter is the foundation. No, Peter is human. There is only one foundation, and no other foundation can be laid other than the foundation that Christ, that God has laid, and that's Jesus Christ himself Jesus was saying, Peter, this is a rock truth, rock solid truth. It is more solid than northern rock, thank God. You can bank on this. You can build on this. You don't build on something insubstantial. You build on something that is real and true. Hallelujah. I want you to picture this in your mind. Here we have the real Jesus. You see... We just read it in our Bibles and we kind of forget that this actually happened. There was Jesus standing there in the flesh before his disciples. The real Jesus with a real genealogy. A real birth, a real childhood, a real family, a real public ministry. Jesus was born under the reign of Caesar Augustus. There he is. It's over my right shoulder. 27 B.C., to 14 AD, that's when Augustus reigned as Caesar. Jesus was born at that historical moment. He lived, of course, the most of his life under the reign of Tiberius, just over my left shoulder. Tiberius, AD 14 to AD 27. This was a real person living in a real time, in a real place, a real person here in this planet, God invading this planet, God showing up in the world of space and time and producing proof that he is the son of God. That's why the apostles said, believe us. We've seen him. We were there. Our eyes have seen. Our hands have handled. This is physical proof. We are eyewitnesses. We saw it. We saw him. We knew him. Amen. Yes. It sounds rather like somebody in a court of law producing evidence. We are witnesses. This is not something that was invented. You know, I tell you, friends, the resurrection was not invented by faith. Resurrection faith came from resurrection fact. Yes. First the fact and then the faith. Yes. People, we've got to get back into the public arena. Everything Jesus did, he did it publicly. It was witnessed by thousands, not just his close associates, those that knew him. It also made the secular historical record books. And now he is having this public ministry and people are beginning to notice him and talk about him. And uh, so Jesus says, who do they say that I am? Notice very carefully. He did not say, what do people think about me? He was not asking for their opinion, He was wanting them to discover the revelation of who He was. Very interesting, very interesting, we will show you in a moment how powerful that is. Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say I am, not who do you think I am, frankly, Who you think Jesus is, even who I think Jesus is, is absolutely irrelevant. It's not based on human opinion. It's based on the fact of who He is. Amen. Amen. Who do you say? I am. Praise God. You remember Romans 10 verses 9 and onwards say this. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Can you see? He was looking for them, giving them an opportunity to make a faith declaration based on their understanding of who Jesus was, not on their opinion. And in the same way, he goes on to say, verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. He was looking for a confession of faith. That's why we call this Peter's confession. Declaration based on heart understanding. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him... Will not be put to shame. And Peter came up with the answer. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's very interesting that uh, people were able to say that Jesus was a prophet. That much was evident. Very evident. It was not just based on opinion. It was based on fact. Especially the Jewish people understood what a prophet was. A prophet was somebody that declared the word of God. They knew Jesus did that. A prophet was somebody that produced miracles to demonstrate that the word from their mouth was the truth. They recognized that, but they had no more revelation. No more revelation. And so here they began to guess. Well, you know, John the Baptist, uh, well, how, Jeremiah, Elijah, or one of the prophets. A prophet like the others. And how inadequate that is to explain Who Jesus is that's why he said who do you say that I am hallelujah and and Peter I'd love to be there to see the look on his face who do you say that I am you are the Christ the son of the living God where did that come from and Jesus praised him you're blessed Simon Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Our faith rests on revealed fact. Revealed fact. Christianity is not a natural religion. It's a supernatural religion. It's not based on human opinion. It's based on divine revelation. I've studied many different religions and I can tell you, That the quality, even of the very claims of Jesus Christ, are utterly unique. Nobody but God could have revealed that. And so we're talking about revelation. Now here... It's all very easy to say, well, yeah, well, you know, but you know, other religions have their sacred books, and others have their claims, their claims of truth, and all the rest of it. And we're just one person claiming something, and count other people are claiming something else, and we're counter, counter, you know, kind of um, claiming one another. And so, you know, really, really, we are in a stalemate. It's just down to what you believe or what somebody else believes. Nobody can prove it. But let me tell you what revelation is, people of God. Revelation is not human guesswork. Revelation isn't even saying, well, I think this is the best explanation. Let's go with that. Revelation is a revealing of divine truth. Divine reality. Let me give you a demonstration. Earlier this year, McLaren... Unveiled their new Formula One car, and this is what it looked like first of all Nothing (laughs) Why is that? Because it was veiled You have unveiling of plaques unveiling of monuments unveiling of cars, and this is what it looked like hidden But then at the right moment with sufficient razzmatazz They took the veil away, and it was revealed The car was there all the time. They just couldn't see it. See, revelation means taking the veil away. Showing what is behind it. And when God reveals the true identity of Jesus, He doesn't become the Son of God because you believe it, but you believe it because God shows you that He is the Son of God. Revealed religion. Now I know I'm going to answer the question, will you say, well, then how do we know that the Christian claim is different from the others and so on? I'm coming to that. But you need to understand that it's only in very recent history did people actually doubt that, that there was such a thing as revelation. For many, many years, right throughout history, many, many years, it was, it was perfectly acceptable to discuss the idea that God reveals himself. Because you see, they were more logical back in those days than we are today. They understood that if God exists at all... And He is not immediately accessible by our senses. You can't see Him with ordinarily natural eyes. You can't hear Him. You can't touch Him. Then the only way we are going to know Him is if He reveals Himself. And that is what is at the heart of the Christian faith. That God has exactly done that in the person of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God all things were made through him and without him nothing has been made that was made and of the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only son of the father full of grace and truth that's what it's about god has shown up on this planet Of course he spoke into it, he revealed himself, not just by the things that he made, but his miraculous interventions, the existence of the Jewish nation and their history is proof positive that there is a supernatural God who chooses and who blesses. And of course we can see that he intervened in the past. But the full and final revelation came when God himself showed up on this planet for everybody to see and everybody to discover who he was. Amen and amen. And so Jesus is making a statement about right there before him. And the Father is revealing it. Now we do need revelation. Because without it, not only can we not see God. and That's why faith is necessary. Nothing can replace faith. You have all the evidence in the world. You can be totally intellectually convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. But until you put your faith and trust in Him, it won't work for you at all. It won't make any difference to you. So faith is always necessary. And it's necessary because the natural mind, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Jesus put it this way, He says, No one can come to the Son unless the Father draw Him. And because Jesus is the Son of God, who better than to introduce Him to us than God Himself. He did that at Jesus' baptism. They heard a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus' glory began to be seen physically on the outside. Very rare occurrence. And the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, hear him. So many witnesses to who Jesus was. The father accredited Jesus by the signs and the wonders and miracles. But most important of all, the father accredited Jesus when he raised him from the dead and said, this is really my son and the death and resurrection of Jesus were public events there were events that were presented Publicly, Jesus appeared publicly. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, on one occasion to 500 people. And Paul said, continuing his theme, that what I'm speaking to you is truthful and reasonable. He says many of those people, when he was writing back then, are still alive. In other words, you can go and ask them yourself. Go and ask them yourself. Go and discover for yourself. We have... The record of eyewitness testimonies is 2,000 years ago. But if we are ready to believe that uh, Augustus existed and ready to believe that Tiberius existed, ready to believe those, that testimony which we have physical evidence for, how much more can we believe in Jesus Christ? For the Gospels are the most attested piece of ancient literature that is possible Farm. Far more attested than even the historical data upon which we base our understanding of the ancient world. People of God, these are not little kind of nice thoughts. These are truths. And Jesus revealed them. Now a wonderful thing is, is that Jesus said, You know, Peter, the Father has revealed this to you. And then he said two very strong things. I'll build my church on the rock of this revelation. And the gates of Hades will never prevail against Hades means death. Some people say it means that all the the gates, which is where the council decisions were made, that there is no device that man can produce. Not even any authority in government can do anything to destroy the church of Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I will build my church. He builds his church on the rock of Revelation. Also he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So when we understand who Jesus is not only do we have something solid for our lives something that's going to save our lives something's going to be worthwhile to live for and even die for he goes on to say you are going to have authority you're going to understand things that you never understood before for it's the key that unlocks the secret of life and living amen and amen we need to bring that evidence back into the public arena amen and amen Now what was difficult for Peter, having made this declaration of faith that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Son of God, um, for them to hear... What kind of Messiah Jesus was. That's why he said, don't go saying this out there. Because they're going to confuse. be confused. They're going to think that I am the kind of Messiah that they are accepting. I am Messiah. I am the Son of God. But I'm not just a political leader. I'm not just a military leader. I'm none of those things. I have come to set you free from a bondage greater than the bondage of Rome over your life. I've come to set you free from sin and death. That's why I must go to the cross. And he, Jesus is attempting to explain this. And Peter will not accept it. He said, no, far be it from you. And I see him, Peter, standing in the gap here saying, no, Lord, I'm the one who knows who you are. And I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. It will never happen as I, as long as I am around that's what he's saying, I will stop it. And he had this mentality, despite Jesus' rebuke until the end. That's why when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter took his sword and tried to cut the man's head off and missed and cut his ear off. And Jesus said, look what now I have to do. Stick it back, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> Peter got it completely wrong. So this is why it's spiritual discernment. To understand... Why He had to come, He had to suffer, He had to die. Because He alone could pay the price for our sin to bring eternal redemption. People of God, this is not just some idea. It's a life and death issue. And when we turn to the New Testament, if we have a look at uh, John chapter 17... And verse 3, what do we read? Jesus is speaking to the Father and He says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Know you and Jesus Christ. The same breath. The only way to have eternal life is to know the Father through the Son. If that, is, if that is not a claim to equality with God, then I don't know what planet you're living on. He's very, very clear about this. And so are also the writers of the Gospels and the people who are inspired by God to write the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding That we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This is an exclusive claim. People say, you are being bigoted. You are being arrogant, intolerant. And they'll even throw in racist as well. Somehow, how they arrive at that. So you're all of these things. Because you believe that there is only one God. Amen. Well, it's either true or false. And if it's false, it's not worth believing in. And if it's true, then it's true for everybody. And our job is to understand that these life-saving truths are vital because people are perishing. We can't make them believe, even, even if we have all the proof in the world. And say, look at this verse, look at that verse. I don't believe the Bible. Okay, look at this historical record. I was in a humanist association where they invited me to speak to them. And I, I spoke to them at the end. They said, all right, well, now prove that Jesus ever existed. And I said, well, of course, you're not going to accept the Gospels because, you see, these men of integrity, because they're believers, they're rubbish and stupid and foolish, As they said, correct. And I said, you're not going to believe historical records because if you're asking me, to prove that Jesus actually lived It means you've already dismissed the historical records So all that is left And I leave it to you Is your foolishness I leave it with you Your foolishness so What else do you want to say? I said to them I want to tell you this Truth is not a philosophy Nor an ideology Truth is a person And his name is Jesus And believe me The demons manifested. Don't think that humanists and secularists and atheists, that they're just all nice people who've just got some intellectual problems. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's a moral and spiritual problem. And we are compassionate. Compassionate. I don't know where you came from in terms of your background. Before I was a Christian, I believed that nature was God. That's a good idea. I didn't believe in the God of the Bible because I'd been to church and that was enough. So uh, I had never been to Kensington Temple, of course, but I'd been to certain churches and it was dead and boring. I thought, if this all there is to God, I better start looking somewhere else. So I made up my own religion. Nature is God. That's it. Where did nature come from? It doesn't matter. I don't care, but nature is God. Uh, and uh, so, so I made it up. Some people have come from an atheist background and they really did struggle with the concept of God. Others have come from a different kind of religious background and you struggle with such things as the sonship of Jesus Christ. Now today I would have loved, it's not a teaching service, uh, today I would have loved to have gone in great detail as to what we mean by the Son of God. I can't do that, just give you a nugget here and refer you to my website. On my Facebook and on my blog I've got, I'm quoting uh, a long article which really sets this out in a very clear way. But when we say Jesus is the Son of God, we don't mean that God has a wife. No, no. We, when Jesus is the Son of God, it's used metaphorically. And it means several things. It means that Jesus carries the nature of God. Like Father, like Son. Mother's Day we should be saying also, like Mother, like Son. Like Mother, like Daughter. Carrying the same nature. Also, this means that Jesus works, does the work of God. He is in cooperation with God. He is doing the very works of God. So if you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. He said, if you don't believe what I say, then believe what I do. Because my works and my words are not my own. They're the works and the words of the Father. He was capable of of doing things that were only possible by God. Forgiving sin. Creative miracles. This was done in His authority under the Father. If we perform a miracle, we do it in His name not in our name, but Jesus carried that authority. And so it means that Jesus is like the Father, shares the nature of the Father, has always existed with the Father because the Father is the eternal Father, so there must be an eternal Son, always was. It doesn't mean that there are two gods or three gods, no. It means there is one God who exists eternally in three persons. And this may be complex, but I'll tell you, you can't, put god into your little systems of logic that's natural religion but when we try to do the best with understanding with what the bible says we can come up with no better statement than god is not just trinity he is triunity he is Trinity, both one and three at the same time. God, fully God. God the Father. God the Son, fully God. God the Holy Spirit, fully God. And this is a concept that is at the heart of our faith. And without it, you cannot be saved. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you will never believe God or receive the life that comes from God one more verse before we finish here We have 1 John chapter 2 verses 22 to 23 Remember this this is John speaking the apostle John the aged Apostle the one of the last surviving apostles writing Amazing man. They said two things about him. They gave him two names They said number one. He is the beloved disciple Secondly, he is John the Divine. Now, by that, it simply meant that he carried divine knowledge he knew God and in John's writings it's all about coming to know God in John's writings it's all about love and loving God and so here is the man who knew God better than anybody else living on the planet and who loved God more deeply than anybody else he rested his head on the bosom of Jesus at the last supper this loving God, person who knows God writes this 1 John 2:22 who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist. Now, before we start thinking of Omen 1, 2, and 3, devils with horns, Antichrist simply means somebody that does not accept Christ and accepts something in place of Christ, somebody that opposes Christ. Antichrist. Who is Antichrist? Who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So it's all very well. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. It's not enough to say, well, I believe in God. Many people believe in God. What kind of God do they believe in? Do they believe in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? The one who died for our sins and was raised again from the dead. Leaving behind both reasonable reasons for our faith and also positive proof that our faith is not just invention. Our faith is both reasonable and there is proof. There is evidence that points in that direction. Uh, We need to recover the robust confidence that says, No, when we say that Jesus is Christ and Jesus is Lord, we're not just making it up and, and putting our understanding on the level of other people's understanding. We say, no, look at the evidence, look at the truth. No other claims even come anywhere near this. And the claims that God makes about Christ in the Bible are demonstrable. First of all, in your own life, the miracles that he works, but more objectively, by historical facts and also by physical evidence that was witnessed by people who were as difficult as you and I when it comes to believing the impossible. Amen and amen. So the question is, as we finish today, who do you say that he is? In a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity for us all together to make a declaration of faith. That we may declare... That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But it will be an opportunity for some people here, who have never ever put their faith in Jesus before. Never ever said, I accept that He is everything the Bible says He is. That I might declare Him to be my Lord, my Savior, because He is the Lord and the Savior. Amen and Amen. If that's you, this is an opportunity. And it's the revelation of the Father, I cannot do it, you cannot do it of yourself. It only comes by revelation of the Father. Father, we ask that you would reveal the true identity of Jesus Christ to your people today in this place and across the different auditorium and also, Lord, for those watching on the internet, everybody under the sound of my voice. Are you ready to make this declaration with me? Are you ready? Say it loud and strong. I invite you all to say it. Here it goes. Lord Jesus Christ, Christ. I confess confess. and declare that you are The Christ, the Son of the living God. And I declare that you were raised from the dead. And that having been raised, you live forever. As the one who died for the sins of the world. But is now alive forevermore. And I praise you, my God, my Father, that you have revealed this. to children such as us. us. And we put our faith faith in this declaration the rock of revelation. revelation. In Jesus' name. name. Amen, every head bowed, every eye closed. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Now, before anybody moves in this place, I want to give those people an opportunity who made that declaration for the first time as a believer, that you said, I actually really believe this, and you are saying, yeah, I now see it for the first time, or in a new way that you have not seen for a very long time, whatever that is, I want to pray for you, every head bowed, every eye closed, somebody's going to be there to help you, our consolidators are here, this is so important, this is a life-saving truth, and that's why we're giving extra time this morning to it, so if you today made that declaration of faith the first time, And you say, yes, I believe, I want Christ to be my Savior I really do You might still have some questions But we can help you with the questions But you know that this is what you want I want why every head is bowed Every eye is closed You to lift your hand right now And I'm going to pray for you before we finish this service Lift your hand high Those people who say, yes, I want Christ in my life For the very first time Where are you? Lift your hands Thank you, God bless you Thank you, God bless you Somebody else Somebody else Anybody else in this building Lift your hand high Lift your hand high. Downstairs in the lower hall overflow. Thank you somebody else. Downstairs, the lower hall overflow, behind me, in the room behind me, across the road, in the, in the, in the Coronet on the internet. You can touch us. God bless you. You can contact us. God bless you. Somebody's there in each of those overflow areas. Father, I pray for every single person today who's making a declaration of Jesus Christ as Lord and as the Son of God that you will bless them and make this truth so real to them that they can build their very life on it and trust their life to it for now and forever. And I pray for the rest of us, oh God, today, that you brought this truth back to our hearts in a new and fresh way, that we will go out into the public arena and be prepared to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, and not just to do it as an empty faith statement, but lovingly and patiently point people to evidence so that we can be with them and help them come to see and understand a truth that will save their life and bring eternal life to them. Grant it, Father, we pray. Katika jinala yesu. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, people of God, let's give Him a mighty praise. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Thank you. God bless.